22, there's a passage of scripture here that after I was saved and born again and began reading the word, that I saw my life story. Anybody ever done that? Like you just read something about you, man, this is, I'm not alone. This actually happened to somebody else. Someone else went through and walked through this. So Genesis chapter 32 is going to begin here with a story concerning a young man by the name of Jacob. Here's what it says. Call by a new name. And he arose that night, he being Jacob, and he took his two wives. Somebody say, boy, we already know Jacob's not a bright guy. He's got two wives. <laughs> we already know this guy's not in trouble. Somebody's sitting there thinking, Pastor, you got two wives. Is it? No, that's not the context of our stories matching up. And he arose that night and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and he crossed the fords of the Jabbok River. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and he sent over all that he had. Then Jacob was left all alone. All alone. I want you to maybe underline that in your Bible tonight or maybe highlight that in your own mind or maybe in your spirit. The Bible says that Jacob finally got to a place in his life where he was all alone. And check this out. All of a sudden, in this time, in this moment, when he's all alone, a man, and if your Bible uh, accentuates the divinity of this man, it'll have a capital M there at the beginning of that word, man. He was left there all alone, and he gets in a wrestling match with a man that most Bibles are going to accentuate that this is a divine man that he's wrestling with. And he's wrestling with this man until the breaking of day. Boy, I'm sure excited about talking to you today about the dawning of a new day in your life. The breaking of a new day. Verse 25. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he being the divine man, did not prevail against Jacob. Check this out. He reached out and he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So Jacob's hip was out of joints as he wrestled with him. He being the divine man once again is wrestling with Jacob. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men. Now listen to this. And you have prevailed. Just remember that, prevailed. He's left all alone. He gets in a wrestling match. In the natural, he doesn't seem to be winning. But the Bible says he wins. Now he's got a hip out of joint. It looks like he's losing this wrestling match. But the Bible views this as Jacob won. He prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, well, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob called the name of this place. How many of you know? If you had some sort of wrestling match with a divine being, you would probably think that place was significant as well. Jacob thought this place was significant, and he said, I'm going to give this place a name. This place is Peniel. Peniel. And he says, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been preserved or spared. Listen to this cool two verses of Scripture here that I hope I can bring some light to tonight. And... Just as Jacob crossed over Peniel or Penuel, the sun rose on him. And check this out. It says that Jacob went out of there limping on his hip. Therefore, 
to this very day, the day that Genesis 32 was written, we believe our author Moses and then those uh, of, of the children of Israel followed his reading, followed his writing. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now listen, I know that is a tremendous amount of Bible passage to come in here and read at an overcomers meeting on a Thursday night. First and foremost, I'm going to say you look good. Secondly, I want to say thanks for being here tonight. Third, I want to say thanks for being a good sport and ingesting so much of the scripture tonight so that we can ask the Holy Spirit to paint a great picture with Jacob's life and his story about being called by a new name in a way that it could unilaterally apply to your life and your story. You may walk with a new name. Father, I ask you tonight to do just that. Father, you brought this amazing group of people together. God, you've birthed this amazing ministry here at Rochester Assembly, a weekly overcomers faith-based recovery meeting where we've seen people step into freedom, step into deliverance, step into sobriety, step into new days, yeah. new seasons of their lives. God, I ask you tonight to anoint me, I ask you to use me above beyond my natural ability. To communicate your word in a way that it would bring that same type of transformation, that same type of miraculous encounter that would birth new identities in the hearts of your sons and daughters in this room tonight. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I want to be mindful and conscientious of all of our time here together tonight. And again, I want to say thanks for being a good sport and listening so intently as I told Jacob's story. As I already mentioned, after I was born again and saved, I started reading the Bible. And I'll never forget when I read Genesis 32, I read this story as I just read it to you tonight. And, and what shocked me, most of all, Bill, John, about this story was that the Bible said that Jacob won, that Jacob prevailed. Now, I don't know how things are totally up here in Minnesota, but in Louisiana, you two young men, put your Bible down, son, put your coffee cup down. Would you two young men stand up and just grab a hold to each other like, like high school wrestling style? In Louisiana, if, if, if a skirmish breaks out, now check this out. Are you ready for this? Reach over and grab him and put him in the headlock. Oh, yeah. Generally, I need you to turn this out so the people can see you here. Generally, generally, now you ready for this? Now, the guy that's in the head like here, reach out with some supernatural power and touch his hip and break it out of joint. Now, obviously, now that your hip's broken, it's out of joint. Go back down and grab you here. Check this out. Now, look. He falls out. You're, you're down, right? Come, come on, lay down for me. And this guy walks off. Yeah. This guy, no, this guy. That's true, That's Cedar I'm Grove. Cedar Grove right the there. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, this guy's down on the ground. Let me tell you, the next day at school, when they get to come back from suspension, yeah. let me tell you how this guy comes back. Uh, this guy comes back where I'm from like this. Slang it. Slang that leg. Come on. Yeah. That's right. This guy comes back with a hoodie and earbuds in. <laughs> Doesn't make That's eye good. contact with anybody. Yeah. Because in, in where I grew up, this guy lost. Yeah. 
Is it the same way in Minnesota? You get the yeah. fight. The guy that's generally left on the ground, broken, bleeding, crying, no one generally says he won. So I get born again, Tim. I'm, I'm in a prison cell. Shouldn't tell you that at this point. I read the Bible every day of my life, trying to understand, trying to reach out to God, not trying to get out of jail. I'm trying to get free. I'm trying to get free from what's binding me, the addiction that's enslaved me, the broken life I've lived. I say, God, I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in prison. I just want to be free from this. I'm reading this story, and as I'm reading this story, I'm like, you know, Bump the angel, you know, forget Jacob's name change. I'm like not even intrigued or thought by any of that. What I'm intrigued by is the fact that the Bible says Jacob prevailed. Jacob prevailed. But the Bible paints a picture of a man left laying on the ground broken. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I, uh, today, at 41 years old, am past the place of saying it's my mama's fault. At 41 years old today, I'm past the place of saying, oh, it's my daddy's fault. I'm past the place today of saying, oh, it was how I was raised. Listen, I wouldn't raise my children the way that I was raised. I wouldn't advise you to raise your children the way that I was raised. I didn't grow up in a great home. I never had, I don't have one childhood memory of my biological mom and my biological father together. I grew up in an alcoholic, dysfunctional, abusive home that was the poster description of what it meant to have dysfunctionality. But you know what? Today, 41 years old, it's not their fault. Here's what ends up happening. At about 16 years old, my mom, who probably should have left a long time before, finally gets the courage to say, we've raised all the children. I've got one son left. I'm out of here. Come on and go with me. And I said, Mom, I'm tired of moving. We've moved. We've lived everywhere. I know people on every side of town, every city in Louisiana. I'm not moving anymore. I'm staying here. He doesn't bother me. And somehow my parents, biological father, stepfather who became my adopted father, my mother, somehow they rationalized and justified that this was, this was the right thing to do. My stepfather begins to go on alcoholic binge after alcoholic binge. My mom begins to go back and live like she's a 20-year-old partying. And here I'm 16, 17 years old, living on a farm, got vehicles to drive, charge accounts to charge diesel and food and groceries. Uh, and, and just our house turns into the place every weekend where, where everyone's having parties, shooting pool, bonfires, and everything that goes along with that. You know, it didn't take long before fistfights started happening. It didn't take long before other things started happening. Beer drinking turned into somebody broke out a joint, smoked a joint or two, and then somebody one time breaks out a line of cocaine. And listen, my senior year of high school, I'm a full-blown IV methamphetamines and cocaine drug addict. No parental supervision, mom's out of the picture, stepdad's dying of a broken heart and an alcoholic binge. My biological father is not in the picture at all. He signed custody over to my stepfather. And uh, I grew up, I think, longing for an identity. Figuring out who I was and where I belonged. And in that season of my life, there were older young men, 19, 20, 21 years old, that I think I naturally gravitated towards, looking to fill that void and that hole, that role in my life of helping me figure out who I was, brag on me, affirm me. 
And uh, in doing that, some of the young men that I linked up with led me to be in a hotel room one night when I was 18 years old. And a drug deal went bad. When the drug deal went bad, a fist fight broke out. And after the fist fight broke out, a beating occurred. And after a beating occurred, guns were pulled. And after guns were pulled, a young man was left with his throat cut, left for dead in a ditch after being robbed. The next morning, the sun's coming up, and Bossier Parish PD basically kicks the door in, and at 18 years old, I went down to Bossier Parish Jail, or Bossier City Jail at that time, with a first-degree attempted murder charge at 18 years old. I spent 73 days in the city jail, only to be let go because the young man that cut the guy's throat told him he cut the guy's throat, and because I had never been in trouble before. Probably the worst thing in the world that ever could have happened to an 18-year-old drug addict with no parental supervision. Because when I got free 73 days later, I thought I was John God. I thought I could rob people when drug deals go bad, leave them in ditches for dead with their throat cuts, and get away with it. It didn't take very long for my drug addiction to start spiraling out of control, if you can imagine life being even more out of control at that point. Long story short, I got picked up three months later driving a red NXS convertible with the top off, stereo so loud you could have heard it from four blocks away, with a cigarette box full of individually wrapped packets of cocaine under the passenger seat. People that I went to high school with were following me in a car where I was dealing dope to them, and I got pulled over for a loud radio, and when they pulled me over for a loud radio because I was just screaming, hey, come and arrest me. You know, I just was as dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> I went through my car and found individually wrapped packets of cocaine, saw that I had just got out on bond 73 days earlier for a first-degree murder charge, and now here I am at 19 years old, and I've got two felony convictions, a first-degree attempted murder, pled out to a kidnapping charge. Now I've got possession and distribution of cocaine. They set me down for a few months at the county jail before some DA decided I didn't need to be there, and then he wrote a grant that would allow me to go back to the streets on probation and parole. I was probably 19, still at that time, going on 20, and at 20 years old, my drug addiction spiraled worse and worse and worse out of control. I don't have a glamorous story, a limelight story. Honestly, I don't think anybody that is an alcoholic or an addict or has ever struggled with any life-controlling issue has a glamorous story because I don't think that's what that does to you. And at 21 years old, I was at my mom's house for Thanksgiving. Everybody was so excited. I seemed to be sober. I'd just gotten out of treatment. Family was coming in from all different parts of the world, in Arkansas and Texas and Louisiana. My mom was just so thrilled. My baby son has finally got his head screwed on. We could have a regular family Thanksgiving. And when no one was looking, I recently grabbed my car keys, and I stole my car, and I went on a seven-day drug binge, robbing convenience stores with guns, with ski masks, without guns, robbing people in parking lots with tire tools, acting if I had a gun, high-speed police chase, all of that to say this. At 21 years old, after a high-speed police chase and a two-county pursuit, I ended up being arrested for a string of robberies. 21 years old, I'm laying on a jail cell floor in Cattle Parish, Louisiana, and my life started looking a whole lot like this story that I read to you today, a young man laying on the floor broken, left all alone. And I'll never forget, they had taken me to an arraignment, and I came back from the arraignment, 
and uh, the, the, the sheriff, his name was Keith Michelle, he said, he said, John, I, you know what happened to you today at court? And I said, no. And he said, they, 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 the DA offered a multi-bill. And I said, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, you're a three-time convicted felon, John. He said, you're 20 years old, man, 21 holding you, John, 20, 21. So you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. He said, I don't think you realize what happened. He said, I'll let you go outside and sit outside for a little while, which is like a 50-foot concrete wall with a chain-link fence across the top. He said, I'll let you sit out there and clear your head. And I'll never forget, I sat out there, I was just numb. I couldn't feel anything, didn't, didn't really know what had transpired. And they called me, said, hey, shift change, you got to go to your cell. And I went up there to that jail cell, and I told God way back then, I said, you know, God, I'll never be ashamed to do this. I went in there, and I remember laying down on that floor in that jail cell. And, oh, I know what you're thinking. This is, you know, where you pray that magical prayer and you say, oh God, get me out of prison. Oh God, send an attorney, send somebody with money, send a family member. You know, but the truth of the matter is when I lay down on that jail cell floor that day, that's not what I prayed. That's not even what I said. I just remember laying down on that floor. And as I laid down for what I thought was minutes, come to find out today, it was quite a bit of time, hours. I laid down on that jail cell floor and I just remember breaking down under the weight of being 21 years old and my life is going to be over. I'm 21 years old and I'll never have a child. I'm 21 years old and I'll never have a job. I'm 21 years old and I'll, I'll never have a family. I'm, I'm 21 years old and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison. Is prison going to be harsh? Is the circumstances going to be tough? All the people that I've let down, all the people I've disappointed, all the people I hurt. And I just remember at that moment under the weight of what was going on, I remember I just broke and I just began to say to God, if if you're there, if you're real, if you're if if you're if you're in caring about my life, if you if you're into caring about the situations and circumstances that I'm going through, God, I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for for all the lies I've told. I'm sorry for the drugs I've done. I'm sorry for hurting my mom. I'm sorry for, for, for all the crimes I've committed. I'm sorry for being here today. And God, I'm even sorry for that young man that I left in that ditch for dead when I was 18 years old. God, I'm just sorry. God, would you just, God, just take this for me. Take this needle for me. Take this addiction for me. God, and I just remember crying out, laying there on that floor for what seemed like moments, but now today I know it was ours. Oh, and you think, oh, click, click, the door clack, and somebody say, come on, you're free. That's not my story. <clears throat> 21 years old, all alone, laying on a prison cell, three time convicted felon, life sentence in prison. The parallels here with Jacob's story is this. The Bible says here Jacob is left all alone. He's laying on the ground. He's broken, but yet he prevailed. Anybody see that? Maybe, maybe I've, I've not made a strong enough connection tonight for you to begin to see what I'm trying to get you to see. But here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been, maybe not in the jail cell. Maybe it was in your living room. Maybe it was in your car. Maybe it was in your bathroom. Maybe it was in a friend's living room at 3 o'clock in the morning when you were so high you didn't know what to do or you were so addicted you didn't think you would ever be free. And maybe in a moment of brokenness, in a moment of isolation, you two at some point in time in your life have said something similar to what I've shared with you. But here's what I want you to see. The correlation between your story and Jacob's story and my story is this. 
is there is a prevailing. There is a winning. There, there is the dawning of a new day, the coming of a new era for all of us. And I'm going to show it to you right here from the Bible in Jacob's life. And I'm going to show it to you in my life. And I'm going to show it to you how it can be in your life. Here's what ends up happening. Jacob gets in this wrestling match with God. And I think that was what was going on with me. Look, I didn't have a pastor in that room. I didn't have a John Mauser in that room. I didn't have a life group leader in that room. I didn't have a mom in that room. But there was something inside of me. You want to know what it is? It's called your conscience. And whether you know this or not, you don't have to guess anymore. Let me just go ahead and explain it to you. There has never been a civilization on this planet, no matter if it was a jungle, a rainforest tribal people, or some remote tribal people living out on the middle of an island where rape or incest was ever considered to be honorable or notable. You want me to tell you why that is? You want to know why every civilization that has ever existed has always had some form of idol to worship? Because God put down inside of every man a conscience that he, number one, exists, and a conscience of, number two, the difference of right and wrong. That's inside of all of us. We can suppress it. We can manipulate it. We can thumb our nose at God and say, I don't believe in you. You don't exist. But there was a wrestling match with the divine nature going on inside of me between what was right and what was wrong. You've been there. When you were high, you've been there when you were strung out. You've been there in your life when you thought you were at the end of your road or your family walked out on you. But in that moment, Jacob's wrestling with God. And all of a sudden, when he finally gets broke down to a point, he was winning at first. I don't know if you saw that, but in the scripture, it says that God was not prevailing over him. But Jacob was winning the wrestling match. Now, here's the crazy thing. The God who is without limit allows himself to be limited in the hearts of his own creatures creation because he gave you a choice. Let's wrap our minds around that. The God that created everything that is without limit allows himself to be limited in your own life by what you believe of him and for him. All of a sudden, Jacob's in this wrestling match where he's winning. He's doing his own thing. He's clubbing, he's drinking, he's boozing, he's sleeping around. He's going further the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, finally, you ready for this? I know we don't like to think of God this way. He just reaches out and breaks something in his hip. Car wreck happens. Arrest happens. Somebody dies. Something gets hurt. God does something. Breaks him down. And in that moment, here's what happens. God says, what is your name? Now imagine you're Jacob and I'm like, what? My name? What does my name have to do? Hold on, you just broke my hip. I want a rematch. I'm a train in the gym. I was doing well. Hold on, what you mean my name? And God says, no, what is your name? Can I show you how Jacob prevailed? Can I show you how Jacob won how? Man left laying on a floor, broken, ends up winning. God says, what's your name? And he says, finally, my name is Jacob. You know what Jacob means? Deceiver. Manipulator. Surplanter. Heel grabber. You know what Jacob has spent all his life doing? Can I tell you why Jacob Royce is in the situation I'm reading you about in Genesis 32? J Jacob's in a situation where he can't go forward, back home where he came from, because Esau is ready to kill him because he manipulated his brother out of the birthright and the blessing. Can I tell you what he's running from? He's running from his uncle Laban, who he ended up stealing from and manipulating out of all of his earthly possessions. 
Sounds like many of our lives. We get at a crossroads where we can't go forward in life. We can't go backwards in life. We burnt this bridge. We burnt that bridge. We told this lie. We stand this down. We run this con. We hurt this family. And we get in a place where we're all alone. We can't go any direction. It's of our own doing. And many a times it's because of who we believe ourselves to be. And who Jacob believed himself to be was who he was named. Manipulator. Can I give you some names in here tonight? Porn addict. Can I give you some names in here tonight? Drug addict. Can I give you some names in here tonight? Good for nothing. Can I give you some names in here tonight? Just like your daddy. Never going to be anything. Never going to mount to anything. Convict. Can I give you some more names? Are you beginning to get what I'm trying to give you tonight? Watch this. God said, what is your name? And he finally said, for the first time in his life, in a moment of sobriety and reality, just like a 21-year-old kid did laying on the ground with no pastor to teach him, I told God who and what I really was. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm an addict. You know what it takes to do that? You know what it takes to do that? It takes honesty. You know what it takes to do that? A genuine self-evaluation. Not who you post yourself to be on Instagram. Not who you broadcast yourself to be on Facebook. Not who you lie and tell yourself you are when you're high. Can I tell you something else it takes to tell God who you really are? A trust and a faith and a belief in God that he loves you and he's big enough in spite of who you are and in spite of what you tell him that he won't abandon you. When you finally look at him and say, God, I trust you enough and I believe you're big enough that I'll tell you I'm a murderer, you won't leave me. If I tell you I'm an alley drug addict, if I tell you I'm a thief, if I tell you I'm a liar, you're big enough, you're God to handle what I am and who I become. And you know what I love about Jacob's story? He prevailed, and here's how he prevailed. He prevailed to him when he finally got real enough with himself to be honest to say to God, this is what I am. Can I tell you something cool about God? God said, no, your mama named you Jacob. No, your boyfriend told you you were no good. No, the parole officer told you you were always going to be incarcerated. No, the drug dealer told you you would always be hooked. No, your girlfriend told you you would never amount to anything. And he looks at me and says, you're no longer Jacob. You are Israel. A prince is what Israel means, who will forever reign with God. Here's all I'm trying to get you to see. Is Jacob prevailed because he admitted who and what he was to God. I want to ask you something. Have you ever admitted really and truly, honestly, not for me, but for you? Have you ever said to God, this is what I am? Have you ever trusted God enough that he's big enough that he's really God? Let's check this out. He already knows. <laughs> I got news for you. It's not for God to find out. It's for you to find out. So in that moment, I'm laying on the floor. Jacob's laying on the floor, and all of a sudden, God says, let me call you by a new name. Can I show you Jacob being called by a new name? God calls him Israel, and here's what I dare you to do. Take that book that I asked you to read tonight and read about Jacob from 20, 32 forward. 
and you'll see a man that there's never one character flaw in from Genesis 32 forward recorded in the scriptures. It's a picture in the Old Testament of the New Testament warning process. That when God looked at him and said, the world said you were darkness, but I said you were light. It's the Old Testament picture when the world says that you were trash. God said you're my treasure. 